Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. Wow! This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house and pushes us around. This is Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Well, hey, it's 8.02 in the morning. We had an early show again today, but there is a lot of interesting stuff going on in the football world. It is, man. And we're going to be not focusing. That's not English. We are not going to be focusing on the NFL that much today. We do have our fantasy scramble, but this is going to be a very college football-heavy show. And it should be. I mean, well, of course it should. Yeah. we got conference week. title games. Yeah. That no. we, well, they're already final, but... we've got the selection committee coming up in an hour and really this is that point in the nfl where it's like okay now you're just hoping guys don't get hurt you know this is just really that point where everybody's making their playoff push and everything like that so it's like what this is week 12 13 13 maybe 13 yeah i don't can't even remember pretty pretty sure it's 12 guys okay cool yes you know what remember jesse would know Remember the first like week of football? We're like, yes, let's go football. And now everybody's kind of like, uh, I don't know. There's a game later. I might have some other things to do though. You oh, know? really? Everybody's kind of in that. I have not changed in that sense. Like, really? I, I still watch almost every Sunday. Even last Sunday, when I was back at home, uh, we welcome back. My, thank by you. By the way, um, w- they, didn't, they don't have red zone at my parents' house or anything. But, what? Well, yeah. My dad doesn't watch the NFL that much. Um, That's a, so I was watching the only game that was on TV there, which is why Red Zone is so important. The only game on TV there was the Jets against, I forget even who they were playing. Yeah, regional. So they're gonna but it was an ugly game. Yeah. And they only had one game at one and one game at four. And I was like, where's everything else how am i supposed to keep up with my fantasy team help me here's the part i don't have any jets because they suck here's the part that sucks though if you do live in that part of jersey or like kind of the uh, tri-state area like you only get the jets or you only get the giants and both teams suck right now so that's like if you live like in cleveland and like you're only getting browns games or but it is week 13 by the way oh is it 13 (laughs) all right um jets panthers by the way was the 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 thing about being a only seeing those games though is despite the fact those teams suck their fan bases are fanatics they are they literally live up to that word like they still show up to the football games maybe they wear a paper bag over their face but they still show up they still watch it on tv they hate what they're seeing but they still watch how it. bad does your team have to be for you to just stop going like the broncos luckily have never been just so bad to where they're just it, it's hard to watch. Oh, like, right I mean, now, right it's, now they kind of are. it's it's funny because well, listening to what they're saying in Denver, it it's they it sounds like a community that has been so spoiled. <laughs> and, you know, like 
Like it, it just you just kind of want to go there and say, "Hey guys, I understand where you're coming from. We don't we don't want to see this and we don't want to see this like turn into a trend, but it's not like this is the Browns. It's not like this has been the Jaguars for their entire existence. Like like it's one bad season, but they are literally eviscerating John Elway right now. They they basically are like calling for him to give up his GM duties. They're like they're they're basically pitchforks and fire out there. It's crazy. Well, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised they won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago, and now they are this with the worst quarter, well, second worst quarterback situation in the NFL. <laughs> but shouldn't that Super Bowl give John Elway a little bit of lead? You see, I, it is weird. I've seen a lot of people like John Elway doesn't know what he's doing. He's only made a couple of good moves, and I'm like, uh, I mean, he's done a really good job generally. So let's just get, take take a year, just because right. he drafted one bad quarterback in Paxton Lynch, and we don't even know because he keeps getting hurt. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, let's let's give him some break. Is is Elway responsible for Osweiler too? Well, yes, him, that was his uh, first quarterback taken. And was um, he, he was responsible for It was a second-round pick, and he was responsible for Zimian, which was actually a seventh-round pick, and if you look at that, he's actually he responsible overperformed for, for his value. Was he responsible for Paxton Lynch? Yes. And he should be blamed. That's three whiffs in a row. <laughs> yeah. He's also right. responsible for Peyton Manning. Right. Now, right, yeah, uh, yes, and that's the thing. Like, uh, yeah, So okay. if you want to, like, analyze it, it's okay. In in the draft he's been like a four like he's found a couple good players like um but at the same time when you look at other things when you look at free agency he's been like almost a 10 he's brought it like yeah, the, but letting tj ward go is probably a mistake i don't know tj ward hasn't been very effective in tampa bay yeah but the defense well, i mean you said look, that, you, but he you was like how, their heart how yeah. like disjointed the defense looks now especially the secondary it's kind of weird but at that it's also one of those things you have to you do you keep somebody around just because they're the heart you have to perform on the field and right now tj ward really isn't a, the performer that he was on the field yeah That's, i guess Leaders, in my mind, at least with teams, a leader does go a long way, even if he doesn't play all the time. But, I mean, it's the NFL. I get your point. That's probably way more NFL than we're going to do today. But. <laughs> yeah, but I'll, I'll hit some up in the hate it or love it. So. Oh, yeah, that, yeah. that we'll get there. And then plus fantasy, we'll have some NFL. But we got a lot of college to get to. We, we will talk about the conference championship games from yesterday. Uh, we will and Friday, I guess, if you want to include the Pac-12 title game, which we will. Uh, we will talk about who deserves to be the college football playoff participants this year. Um, there's a very big question about the fourth spot. The top three seem to be locked in as Clemson, as Georgia, and Oklahoma. But the fourth spot could be Ohio State, could be Alabama. And should USC be getting a little bit more consideration for that spot too? So we'll talk about that. We also have the coaching news of the week, which there is plenty. I know, Rashad, you talked about this a little bit yesterday when you filled in on Center in the Saint, but we'll... Talk about it today as well. Willie Taggart rumors. Uh, is he going to Florida State? Is he staying at Oregon? And then the Beavs hire their coach. And it is Jonathan Smith, former Beav quarterback and a Fiesta Bowl winning quarterback, Jonathan Smith. So we'll talk about all that here in the first hour plus fantasy scramble. And then we will get a little bit to the NFL in the last half hour of the show. Remember, 8 to 930 today uh, because Seahawks have a Sunday night game. So we've got a little NFL doubleheader for you coming up here on the fan. Also, a note, next week we were supposed to not have a show because the Seahawks played the Jaguars at 10 a.m. They have now flexed that game to an afternoon game. Yes. So we, we will have a show next week. Should be from 9 to 11 next week. Um, so you will hear us. Because in surprising fashion, the Jaguars are good. 
Seven wins on the season. And Seahawks-Jaguars is actually kind of a sexy game. So they moved that to the more prime slot, which is so funny. Who I was like, they're playing in Jacksonville. That. They're not. They're never moving this game to ten a.m. from ten a.m. Who whoever thought we'd be saying, "Oh, Seahawks, Jacksonville, man, this could be a, this could <laughs> be a good one." Like, I mean, and I think we've collectively over the past couple of years been saying that here, this is the year the Jags take off. You know, this is the year they're going to do it. And it looks like we were all just a year too late, you know, or too early, I guess. So. Because here it is. Last year, we were all saying, Ben, this is the year for Blake Bortles. He needs to be doing more. He should be a fantasy monster based off of what he did the year prior. Well, it looks like it all kind of caught up to, to the Jaguars. And what do you know? They're winning games. All right. So where do you want to dive in? You want to go right into the games from the weekend first? Might as well. All right. Well, let's start Friday. Then we got the Pac-12 title game. USC, number 10 USC, beats number 12 Stanford 31-28. to 28. USC goes up to 11-2. and two. And I know that the talk is not including them, but frankly, I think that win should include them in the college football playoff conversation, um, especially with their resume being what it is compared to both Alabama and Ohio State. I'll get to that in a second. But just in in terms of the game itself, a really good game, a much better game than I thought, to be honest with you. I kind of had a feeling USC was going to run away with it, and I I was dead wrong about that. You had Bryce Love once again getting 125 yards on the ground and a touchdown, including a 52 yard rush. Um, Stanford's defense played really solid, but in the end, USC was too much for Stanford to overcome and got the 31-28 to win to win the Pac-12 for the first time in a while. Yeah. It had been like a six-year streak of the Pac-12 North winning the Pac-12 title game. USC, first and team in a while to win it from the South. This is this is step number one to USC becoming the Trojans that we remember from um, the early 2000s and with when they had Carson Palmer and then you start to have guys like Reggie Bush and Matt Liner kind of take off. I think this is the going to be the resurgence, which is why I think Sam Darnold's going to stay for another year. This, Ooh. I, I do. I think. I mean, I mean, because number one, if he comes out this year, he's not going to be the first quarterback taken. He may not even be the second quarterback taken. I think he would. He would be, but it. You know, then he'd end up falling again somewhere terrible, more than likely. I think he's going to stay for another year because he can and because he can show that, man, I can, I'm can. i a better quarterback than I've proven. So that not last night, or excuse me, Friday night was kind of his coming out party. Now, mind you, while he didn't go for, you know, five touchdowns or anything, man, he was 17 for 24. Like, he, he didn't miss a beat on the night, man, 325 yards. Everybody around them feeds off of him when he's doing really, really well. Which eight, is why, eight players caught a pass from him, so he spread the ball around a little bit. Spread the ball all the way around, and, you know, Michael Pittman Jr. was phenomenal, and Stephen Mitchell was phenomenal, and Ronald Jones was phenomenal. So all the players that he needed to kind of step up, stepped up for him, and, you know, the main thing is he didn't throw an interception. He didn't make any mistakes, and I think that was the big thing for Sam Darnold because that's what we've been looking at. It's like, God, is this guy really that good? He's not making any mistakes, but... I don't know if I agree with you on the fact that they should be in. I'm looking at all, even Ohio State right now, just saying that uh, eight to four is a, it's a pretty big leap, you know, to kind of make. So, oh, this has nothing to do about their ranking. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not going to make it based on their ranking. Um, I'm just talking about their body of work and their strength of schedule is actually comparable to Ohio State's and is better than Alabama's. Yeah, Alabama so, played no one this year. Right. And all. they both in Ohio State and in USC, lost by 30. Uh, You could argue that USC lost by 30 to the better team in Notre Dame, not Iowa. And if it wasn't for no offensive line, they probably beat Washington State in that game too. Remember? Yeah. USC lost like five offensive linemen to injury, and they just, you know, 
Sam Darnold got sacked like 12 times in that game. Then they have one loss. They have a 30-point loss just like uh, Ohio State does, and all of a sudden they're in the conversation too. But that was kind of my, my point with that is I could see an argument being made for USC to be considered as well because their strength of schedule is much, much better. Yeah. Having played Texas, even Western Michigan, who's a, not not awful, uh, but you know not like the best team in the world, especially now that P.J. Fleck has left. And then uh, – who was their oh Notre Dame was their non conference game? Well, so. just in your own conference, there's number fourteen Stanford, number uh, sixteen Washington State, um, uh, number twenty what now twenty two Arizona. You know, like number twelve Stanford. Just your just your in conference schedule alone should be enough to say that man, your your schedule was better than anything that the SEC or uh, the Big Ten you know kind of had to offer. Even looking at Ohio State's schedule, like yeah yeah you're good, but. You won those. You won those games, but you didn't win enough big games. They've beat. They've got wins against ranked teams. All right, coming up next, quick little recap of the other d- games from yesterday because frankly, most of them were complete and utter blowouts. Um, and then, who deserves to be the fourth team in? Is it Alabama? Is it Ohio State? That's next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 8.17 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Lynch, Rashad Taylor with you. My voice has returned just in time. It's been really, really iffy all week and uh, feels okay today. Yeah, I thought you were going through puberty. (laughs) No, I was going through the I just got off a plane. And I got the whatever was on the plane for like four days kind of thing. I didn't really have a stuffy nose. I just got really raspy voice. Kind of had like one of those. Lately, it's been annoying because I use my voice for work. But when I get sick, my voice tends to go first. Really? Yeah. And I I really didn't feel that sick. I just felt a little bit like, I don't know. I just felt like there was some crud in me from the plane. But uh, it's always my voice. And that's really annoying because I have to talk. It's like a Petri dish. Planes, like they're just, it's. It's always I always get sick every single time I fly. It, there's just too many damn people sitting too close to each other in this small canister, and I don't I don't like it. I hate it. I get sick almost literally almost every single time I fly. Yeah. And I've noticed every time you go home or something like that, you come back it's like, oh dude, I was sick for a couple of days. It's like really? Yeah. That's uh, what happens. Makes sense, man. I mean, because you're you're tired usually. Well, I shouldn't say usually. It depends where you're flying. When I when I fly east to west, it's always a really long flight and it's late hours and you're tired. And you're with, what, 100-plus other people who are coughing and sneezing and doing all sorts of stuff. Gross. And, you know, you're, t- you're packed tightly, and you've got that weird recycled air. It's, you know, it's, it's not good. It's not a good recipe for staying healthy, that's for sure. Not at all. Um, other college championship games, conference championship games from yesterday, uh, Clemson blew out Miami 38-3. to That felt kind of expected. Miami lost their top receiver in practice during the week, and it just kind of felt like they were going to be donezo without him. Georgia blew out Auburn, which I did not expect to see, but they won 28-7. Oklahoma blew out TCU, 41-17. The only big conference championship game that was interesting was Ohio State-Wisconsin. This was Wisconsin's first, like, true test of the year because they had a really easy schedule. And um, Ohio State wound up holding off uh, the Badgers to win 27-21. So those are all the finals. That means Georgia's in over Auburn. That means Clemson's in over Miami. That means Oklahoma is for sure in. So those are three. 
And the, the last spot comes down to Ohio State, who won over Wisconsin in the championship game, or Alabama, who did not play because they did not even make the SEC championship game after losing to Auburn. Uh, however, Ohio State has two losses. Alabama only has one loss to Auburn. Um, and that is what we will see pan out in about 40 minutes from now. They have the selection show on ESPN. Which of those two teams will make it into the fourth spot of the college football playoff? And this, to me, is going to be a very interesting exercise to see just how important a conference championship game is to the value. We've seen it before be incredibly important. We've seen the Big 12 miss out on the college football playoff when they didn't have a conference championship game. Remember? They didn't have it for a little bit. They kind of they just they they made it again last year because of this. Uh, it was incredibly important. Alabama didn't make a conference championship game. Ohio State won their conference championship game. So to me, if it's going to go by the same reason as every every other year before this, Ohio State should be the fourth team in the college football playoff. However, the name of Alabama is well Alabama, and what is that going to mean for? the college playoff committee in deciding whether or not to put them in. How much sway is that name going to have on their decision process? I, I, I'm not sure. I, I, I think it's going to have a lot. I think it's going to mean a lot, though. Um, number one, the cachet that the Alabama Crimson Tide and one Nick Saban bring to the playoff is, I, I mean, it, it, it carries more weight than I think any other coach that's in the playoff right now, and that includes one Urban Meyer. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, if, quite possibly Urban Meyer if he is um, in the playoffs. He's just he. This team is just this tradition. And I think people are going to look at that, especially the way they value. You see the people, the way people value the SEC. You know, uh, all that we've seen, all that we know about how I guess bad the SEC has been this year. Um, according to the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook, Oklahoma is the only team in the country that be favored over Alabama on a neutral field. With the, so with that said, they're basically saying, well, Alabama's still the second-best team in the country right now. So I'm thinking people are going to look at that. I think the voters know that, yeah, could could, could Clemson beat Alabama this year? Uh, I mean, I think Clemson's the best team in the country. But there are some people that would say Oklahoma is the best team in the country. But uh, that, that's that's just kind of Well, me. that's what the whole the point of the playoff is. Yeah, we'll see that play out, that's hopefully. Just, that's just kind of me. But, I mean, just hearing that, man, a lot of the – Sports books in Vegas are saying that, man, Oklahoma is the only team that could beat Alabama. I think people are going to look at that as well and say, yeah, well, for that reason, they deserve to be in. Because at the same time, it's a ratings war. You're trying to get the, the very best ratings, especially on New Year's Day, where the some most of these games are going to be, or both these games are going to be played until the championship game. So you want as many eyes on it as possible. Whether we want to admit it or not, man, uh, Alabama is the evil empire. And people want to see the evil empire go down. Well, there are the evil empire. However, I would argue that these two teams are both teams that would have fans who hate them arguing that they get in just based on their name, right? Ohio State and Alabama. Obviously, Alabama has been a little bit higher or a lot of bit higher profile the last few years. But I think you could argue both of these teams deserve to be in based on their name alone as long as they're a good team. Um, fans would be interested in watching them. And, that, and that's where it comes down to me with the strength of schedule. Alabama played basically nobody. No one. Uh, Florida State was number three when they played them opening week, but Florida State lost their quarterback. They were awful most of the year. They were very inconsistent. So that game doesn't look that good. They played a fairly weak SEC slate, only playing number 19 LSU, who, as we all know, is not that good. 
in the Mississippi State, which was a close game. They almost lost that one. And then losing to the only real test they had in Auburn in the Iron Bowl in the last week of the season. Now, Ohio State lost week two to Oklahoma, 31-16. to uh, It wasn't that close of a game. Oklahoma won, won over them pretty handily. And they also lost to Iowa by 30 points in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. However, they also played number four Wisconsin, won 27-21. to They played number two Penn State, won 39-38. And Oklahoma was a top-five team when they lost. So they have three top-five games in their two-and-one. Alabama has no top five games at all this year, unless you want to count the Florida State game. Then they're one and zero. It's it's just really hard for me to reconcile that win because Florida State was not as good this year. Um, so, to me, the resume points in the favor of Ohio State. You've got a better record against top five teams. You've got a tougher slate of schedule. You won your conference championship game, and sure, you lost to Iowa by thirty, but. I think everything else kind of is is a benefit. Well, you, I mean, not just winning the conference, but winning your division as well. I think something should be said about that. They the, if you want to take what the committee has said is important to them, strength of schedule, um, going on the road and playing teams, all of these things that Ohio State is doing over Alabama, Ohio State should get in, despite the fact that they're a two loss team to a one loss team. I mean, I think, and I also think the, the, the number of losses is going to play. It's going to play a part. You know, the the fact that they're um, going to this thing, what a nine, eleven, ten and two, at this point. That's a. I think that's going to be big, considering, man, Alabama lost one game. It was at the end of the season, and it was to the one team that ended up playing in the SEC championship. Like, what? Well, mind you, it was their biggest test, but that's the only loss that they have. And here you have, you know, uh, unranked Iowa. You know beating Ohio State by 30. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's going to be – you have – the one loss that you had to Auburn was by, what, 14 points, I think it was. So, still bad. You still got whooped on because it's still two touchdowns. But, it was – And it was, was the last week of the regular football season, yeah, too. It was, it was 12 points, but it didn't feel like – it felt like Auburn dominated that game. Yeah. Like, watching it, the eye test, Auburn was the better team on the field that day. So, and then Auburn got, you know, dominated, you know, in, in the game yesterday. I, so, which is weird because they absolutely destroyed Georgia in the first game. So it's Auburn's hard to beat a team weird, twice. It's hard yeah. to beat a team twice in football. Like, Auburn's a weird case. They're I think not gonna it's make just it, weird in college football um, putting so much emphasis on a record when we all know how much disparity there is between the top teams and let's just go ahead and say like the top ten teams and everybody else. There's a big disparity, okay? And then the the top. 25 teams and everybody else huge disparity and once you get below that 25 there's it it's a big deal so when you put in account that alabama really hasn't played any of these teams this year and ohio state has that that's something you really need to take into account when you're factoring in a win and a a loss record because not all wins are created equal and not all losses are created equal as well so i mean and once again, taking into account the fact that when these teams are losing as well, losing your last game of the season, granted it's to your rival, that's, that's not a good look going into the playoffs. You don't want to lose the last game of your season. Is What's the old adage? You want to win the first game of the season, not your last game of the season, because people forget that, that first game. That is true. Um, and people are texting in at the Bridgeport Bridge text line 55305 that you sounds like you're making the case for USC. We kind of did last segment – is USC has comparable strength of schedule to Ohio State, 
has really good wins and has a much better strength of schedule than Alabama. They also have a 30-point loss. That was to Notre Dame, which is a better 30-point loss than to Iowa. Uh, Then they have the loss to uh, – sorry, Washington State. I was forgetting in my head. Mm -hmm. By three points earlier in the season – which is a worse loss than Oklahoma. Yes. So it's a comparable schedule to Ohio State. The strength of schedule is comparable. Um, I think strength of schedule is better than Ohio State's. Yeah, yes. but the problem is is they're ranked 10th. And there it is. obviously the selection committee can move any team anywhere they want. Winning your conference title game over Stanford is a big win, but they're not being talked about because they're not Ohio State and they're not Alabama right now. And it's weird to say because they're USC. But right now, that doesn't carry as much uh, cachet as the other two. Plus, I have a feeling the committee views the Pac-12 as quite down this year. Yes. Uh, So that's going to hurt them as well, where I think they view the Big Ten pretty highly, and at least the top of the SEC pretty highly. So as much as I want to include USC in this argument, I really do. I don't think it's going to even be between them. I think it's going to be Alabama and Ohio State. USC might be the sixth team. Like when they do the top six, it might mm-hmm. be USC at six. Uh, it's almost like a pat on the head. Good job, USC. You almost. They should just it. have a, a fourth place play-in game <laughs> and see what happens if it comes like comes to that. They go, we have a top three game. Oh, the, here's our top three seeds, and then fourth place will be battled out between those two teams. So that add that work. up next watch, week. Who doesn't watch that game? Because all you have this coming weekend are what the Army Navy game. That's like, it. So so you just have it after the Army Navy game. There Boom, you go. done. There you go. The game so said match. Four spot, seriously. So the whoever is ranked uh, four and five, you guys will play it out, and the winner will be the fourth. And then, you, mind you, you still have like another three weeks before you play in the Rose Bowl or whatever big bowl games they decide to make the two playoff games. So you still have – it's not like you don't have enough time to practice. You've got three weeks before that game. You can definitely do that. Just turn that into a five-team playoff. Made, all, uh, I guess what that is more money. for them. For the playoff, it's just more money for, for them to rake in and say, oh, this is just one more big-time game that we had throughout the year. Eight-team playoff? Who would be 9 and 10 this year? Who would be com- who would we be complaining about this year? That's the thing with these playoffs is, like, you always find something to complain about. Oh, you need to be, make it bigger. There's always going to be something to complain about. And then the college basketball tournament, you got That's just too many damn teams. Right, but guess what? You went up to 64, you went up to 68. You're still complaining at the man, back end. Iona, yeah. word. Like, come on, man. Sometimes. I mean, the the best thing you could do is create something like a. Uh, I mean, what sucks about the the six team format is you would have two teams with a buy. But I like the six team format because you can have all the Power Five conference champions just in, and then you go the best of who's left, whether that be Boise State or whether that be probably you know, be Central Florida this year. It, yeah, undefeated. But I think the best way to do it is still eight. Because you can do all of the conference champions, right? All five of them. You do the best group five team, Central Florida. And then you have two at-large bids. And it, that I think that would give you almost every year the correct, quote-unquote, amount of teams that should make it in, right? Yeah. So, like, so. this year, that would be uh, where is it? Clemson. Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State, USC. They're all in the playoff, right? Central Florida is team six. And then you get Alabama and then either Wisconsin or Auburn. I I think Wisconsin would get the nod there. 
But I think that's a really, really good playoff, yeah. right? Those are all the teams. And I guess, sure, you could argue, oh, Auburn's better than Wisconsin, right? You'd always have that argument for that next team out. But that gives us literally everything that we want this year because those teams are the most deserving. Auburn has three losses now, so you're right. They're probably, they'd probably be out behind Wisconsin. You'd have, I mean, honestly, you would have a bunch of one-loss teams and, like, two two-loss teams, and that's it. I mean, yeah, I think your gripes I mean, would be like, oh, well, maybe Washington deserves a chance or or no. a Stanford or, you know, no. it. Stanford yeah. has four losses. Now. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like it, it, it literally. But that's the thing. Like Auburn, three losses. Once you get to that eight win mark, that's when things really do drop off. Every year they say there's about six to eight teams that can truly win the national championship. And I think that at the end of the year, that kind of shows itself when you look at the records because really when you get to the two lost teams, there's maybe at the end of the season eight to ten of them left. And, like, you're telling me you wouldn't want to see if Central Florida could beat some of those teams after the 12-0 and year they've had? Absolutely I would. I think it'd be awesome. I don't think they would, but it would be well, great. What was better than watching Boise State beat Oklahoma? There was not much better. It Dude, was awesome. You remember that that Statue of Liberty play? Like, that the, the hook and ladder? Like, Come on, that's like the there one, is nothing that's better the one my than man that. Proposed to his lady in the in the end zone, Dude, right? Yep. Like that, yeah. Dude, like I don't know how many football games. Like it's that one in the USC like Texas game are the ones that like as far as like big time bowl games outside of Oregon's. Like those are the only ones that really stick in my mind. All right, we got a break. Uh, coming up next, the coaching stuff going on in the state of Oregon is quite interesting. Will Willie Tiger stay? And how will Jonathan Smith do? That's next here on Football Sunday on the Fan. Here's Jesse with Sports Center. Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eight thirty nine here on your Sunday morning. We're here until nine thirty today. Fantasy scramble coming up next segment. So text your fantasy football start sick questions to the Bridgeport Beers text line at five five three zero five. But a little bit of a shorter segment here. But I do want to get into this. Will Willie Taggart leave for Florida State? I know that yesterday you talked about this when you filled in on Center and the Saint. And I've seen you on Facebook, and you text me about it. You think Willie Taggart's as good as gone. Yeah. Uh, you think he is for sure leaving for Florida State. Mm -hmm. uh, I, on the other hand, as much as the logic is telling me he's leaving, I just kind of have this feeling he's staying. I, I hate doing, like, gut-feeling predictions, especially without any ounce of information. I really don't have any information outside of what I've seen and what you've seen on Twitter. But... Something just tells me that he sees what he's building right now. He sees the recruiting class coming in. He sees that he could very quickly make a national title contender again here as long as everything falls right. He also has another year, maybe two, of an elite quarterback in college football. Uh, we've seen that with Justin Herbert. He could be one of the best in college football once he's done. So because of that, I kind of feel like he's going to stay to see if he can do it. Um, but I can't deny that Florida State's a better job. I can't deny that he is from Florida, and it, or at least is from that area, and is coached in Florida, and that may very well be a dream job. I don't know for sure if it is, but it could be for him. And it's not every day that Florida State's open. When's the, when's the last time they changed coaches? 
Like yeah, two coaches in their entire in like forty years or something. Yeah, man. Bowden and Jimbo. I mean, that's it. So if he goes there, as long as he has some modicum of success, he'll probably be there for a long time. He could probably finish his career there if he really wanted to. Um, but is that something that he wants to do? I don't know. It's apparently not the easiest thing being a head coach of Florida State. Part of the reason why Jimbo Fisher's leaving is because of his, his son has a disease and it's best treated in Houston. So going to Texas makes sense. Um, but also some of it from the rumors we've heard is that it's just really, really hard to deal with the brass at, in Tallahassee. They just demand a lot. And that's not going to be exactly the same here in Oregon. Plus, you've got the Phil Knight aspect here where you got a lot of support, a lot of money coming in. So I think it's a lot tougher decision than some people are making it out to be. A lot of people are saying it's gone to Florida State. It's done. You know, he hasn't said anything, really. He's dodged questions. He made that weird cryptic tweet yesterday where he was just very pro-Oregon in it. He didn't say no or yes or anything. He just said we got a lot of stuff to do. He retweeted a friend of his, a reporter in Tampa a couple of days ago, who said that people are making more of the Willie Taggart thing than, than they should. He retweeted that on Twitter. So, like, there's things pointing to him staying, um, but I guess it all just comes down to how much he truly wants the Florida State job in terms of his goals for his future. Well, and I know it's this is – I don't want to say this is going to be hard for Oregon fans to understand because I, I, I think they're smarter than that. And I hope that you can take your bias out of it for a second. But like you said, that Florida State job is that's 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 college football royalty. There are certain programs here in the country that just mean more than a lot of professional teams. You know what I mean? Then then more I mean, you you mean to tell me the Texas football don't mean more than the Jacksonville Jaguars? You know what I'm saying? You you mean to tell me that Ohio State football isn't bigger than the Cleveland Browns? Absolutely it is. There are certain programs that supersede the sport, and Florida State is one of those. Now, I know Oregon has had a big, you know, burst over the past 10 years or so, but it's only been about a decade since the Ducks have been the Oregon Ducks. Like, when when they had Joey Harrington, that was back in 2000, 2001, and there was a long drought until Dennis Dixon and, and company got things going. That was back in, like, 2000, what, Jesse Six. 2005 with Dennis Dixon, 2007? I believe that was six. Yeah, so 2006. So really, you're talking about an 11-year history when you guys have done some winning in between there. But you're talking about a 50-year, 60-year history at Florida State where they've had a total of two coaches in their history. Willie Tiger could be the third coach on that list and for for, for God knows who long, how, how long. And so I'm – and if it is his dream job, and let's just go ahead and say it is. You don't pass that up. If right now, whatever organization or company that you've always wanted to work for, be it Nike or be it Adidas or Microsoft or who the hell cares, whatever place you've wanted to work for, if they come call in right now and say, hey, Jesse, man, we really want you over here. We know what you're getting paid there. We're going to pay you a little bit more for you to come over here and have your man, bye. I'm gone. If you can buy your dream house, do it. If you can go out with your dream girl or guy, do it. Like, I mean, there's there these these opportunities don't come along all the time. Like you said, two coaches in their entire football history, like you might not get this opportunity ever again. I think that it's so it's so tough. I, I'm trying to make my point make sense. Um I think the the thing with the money is interesting because if Oregon really wants to keep Willie Taggart, they could easily match the salary that Florida State's going to give him, right? Easily. 
Um, but I don't know if money is the only reason, right? Because I mean, they are Oregon already offered him the contract extension, right? That four year, 20 million deal. They already offered him the extension with more money. Now I'm sure Florida state could still pony up more than that if they really wanted to, but I don't know if it's about that. And for people who say, Oh, Willie con man, I've seen this all over Twitter. Willie con man. And I'm like, really people, this is college football. Did you, have you seen the coaching carousel going on this year? The Oregon thing is the least crazy part of it. Tennessee is a giant cluster. It's insanity. Um, college football, it has nothing to do with loyalty. It has to do with your family. Who are you most loyal to in your life, right? Almost always, it's your family. Not your team. Not your job. It's your family. And frankly, yourself. You should be loyal to yourself, too. So if to Willie Taggart and his family... Going back to Florida is the better move. And it has nothing to do with him being a con man. It has nothing to do with him being disloyal. He went from USF to Oregon. And if he can parlay that in one year to taking the Florida State job, that is the smartest, best rise of a coach we've seen in a long time in terms of getting the to an elite job. It's just business. There's no loyalty about it. I've just seen a con man, disloyal. What about, what about having morals? I mean, what? I mean, no let more. me ask. Let me ask people this: Oregon would fire we're, him in two we're, seconds. We're, okay. Well, if that being said, the Ducks were disloyal to uh, to Mark Helfrich. Here's a dude that took you to a national championship. Be it that this is his roster or not, say whatever you want to. He got you all the way to the national championship game, and then you fired him after he had his first bad season. Not multiple bad seasons. One bad. Not season. two or three bad seasons. He had one bad season. You said, "Man, this isn't for us. We got to move on." So let's let's not talk about loyalty. Yeah, where's you know your what I mean? loyalty? Like, yeah, yeah. Where's where's the fans' loyalty to to some of that stuff? Like, with if for tomorrow for whatever reason they said, you know, we need to move on from Taggart, people will be mad, but uh, we'll find another coach. I don't know that the. the loyalty and uh, realism are, are two different things when it comes to Helfridge. Yeah. It, I mean, when you objectively and realistically look at what Helfridge was doing in Oregon, he, he was outside of his first season. He wasn't successful. And that first season was with a hundred percent chip Kelly's guys still basically running chip system. But like it went with from, Marcus right. Mariota, look, like, I- I don't, I don't think we're arguing that Helfrich deserved to be fired. There was a lot of things pointing to it. But what we're saying is if you're going to call for loyalty, you had one bad season and you went fire Helfrich. Frankly, you were saying fire Helfrich the year before that, too, even though they won. He went games. nine and three that yeah. year. So I, you can't have it both ways. If you want loyalty, you have to be loyal, too. Right. If you don't, if you're OK with him leaving, cool, you can be just you can say that they should fire him. Right. Like, that's the business. That's college football. That's how it goes. Loyalty. So. You boo Myers Leonard, and then you cheer him the next night when he. Come on, man. Loyalty. It, it, it works. Yeah. It's you. You don't get to be loyal when it works for you. Not most people don't give a rip about loyalty in sports. All right, we got a break. Um, coming up next is our fantasy scramble. It is uh, text your fantasy football questions, your start sick questions. We have a couple already to the Bridgeport Beers text line at five five three zero five. We will answer them next. This is Football Sunday on the fan. This is what you get when you wait until the last minute. It's your pick. Fine, whatever. This guy. A kicker. I like kickers. Listen up, you fantasy coaches. Mike and Rashad are here to save your butt with some last-minute injury news and roster advice. The only reason my team finished as terrible as it is because everybody on the team was hurt. Literally every single player on my team was hurt. This is Fantasy Scramble, part of Football Sunday on 1080 The Fan. 
All right, it is 8.52 on your Sunday morning. This is time for our Fantasy Scramble. We do it every single week. We help you out with your fantasy football teams. Uh, only a couple of questions thus far, so if you have any, text them into the Bridgeport Pierce text line at 55305. Start sick questions. If you're leaning in one way and you want to see if we agree with you or not, that's also a fair question. Uh, so feel free to text those in to 55305. The first question we got, non-PPR league at the flex. Jarek McKinnon, DeMarco Murray, or Rex Burkhead? Funny, I have all three of those running backs too. Um, the non-PPR league is what makes this one interesting because that kind of kills the value of McKinnon and it hurts the value of Burkhead. DeMarco Murray is so touchdown dependent right now, it's not even funny. He's averaging like over the last three weeks like 1.9 yards a carry or something. And luckily he's gotten into the end zone a couple of times to make him a relevant fantasy player. But the Titans running game is awful. Derrick Henry's been playing better than him. Um, I just, I hate putting him in my lineup right now because you have to get a touchdown. And it's just one of those things where you see him get like, he has like negative two points and like two drives and you're like, oh God, please do something. Uh, and Murray does catch passes, but again, that's not going to help you in a non-PPR league. I'm going to go Rex Burkhead on this one. I think Burkhead solidified himself as one or two in that two-headed horse in the backfield, which is strange to say because the Patriots never have a, a set backfield. But right now it's Deion Lewis and it's Rex Burkhead, and everybody else has kind of fallen by the wayside. So I would probably pick Burkhead if, if I were you out of those three. Man, Rex Burkhead uh, had a couple really good weeks in a row, so I'm going to go ahead and say Burkhead. And it's McKinnon, Murray, and Burkhead? Yep. Yeah, I'll uh, – uh, who are the Vikings playing? Uh, the Vikings are playing the Falcons. Yeah, Burkhead. I, I like the, the Vikings-Falcons because I think the Vikings are going to be throwing the ball to McKinnon more because they've, mm. they've been winning pretty heavily the last two weeks, so they've just been giving it to Latavius Murray. Yeah. But non-PPR, catching the ball is not exactly going to be the same as, uh, as having a guy who runs. So Burkhead there for us. A defense question. He says Titans or Saints defense. The Saints are playing the Carolina Panthers, and the Titans are playing the Houston Texans. Interesting. Uh, the Texans' offense is not exactly sexy, but they've also still been putting up points despite not having Deshaun Watson, um, whereas the Saints are playing the Panthers, who have been playing better of late, and, but their defense has also been pretty good at times. That's actually a tough one to me. I'll probably say the Titans just because you got a worse offense in Houston, but I think that's a little bit closer than uh, than the Texans making it out to be. Why can't I see any of these texts? Well, this one's further down. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to make sure I'm looking at the right stuff. Uh, I I don't know. It's weird to say, but I love that it's between the Saints and the Texans. Titans. Titans. Uh, I've liked. It sounds weird, but I've actually liked the Saints defense. Um, it hasn't been as bad as I thought it would be, so I'm saying Saints. Um, I'm going to go Titans. That's kind of a juicy matchup. And if you kind of look how they've been playing in the last three weeks, that's uh, they kind of look poised for another good game. And uh, don't forget, Tom Savage can't stop throwing picks. Yep. So you'll get two points juicy. for that, and you might get a touchdown return for that as well. Uh, the next question, actually the final question we have right now, short day so far, PPR, need one in my flex, Marshawn Lynch, Marvin Jones, or Josh Gordon? That's easy for me. Go Marvin Jones. He's been... Generally, really, really good this year. Marshawn Lynch has not. 
Josh Gordon is is fun and exciting, but we have no idea what's going to happen with him in the Browns offense yet. So I'm going to go with Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. I'm starting Josh Gordon today too because I'm I'm out of the playoff race at this point. So I want to see what the kid can do. So I'm putting in Josh Gordon. Um, I mean Jones. I, Jones. I'm not even going to follow that up. It's just it's easy, right? Yeah, yeah. Unless M Jones means something else, I think it's Marvin Jones, and he's been a stud this year. I, I'm hoping Gordon comes back and he plays well, and he, you know, stays clean, and he can have a nice like six or seven year run here in the NFL, and we can all enjoy watching him. But you know, I don't know if that all starts today. Not with uh, Deshaun Kaiser at quarterback. It probably does not. Although you might see him get a couple catches, maybe hey, explosive plays. Doesn't that guy across from you really like Kaiser though? I don't know. Yeah. Hopefully he's turned the yeah. fade on that. Cause <laughs> yeah, man. Listen, man. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't duck out when somebody's playing terribly in their first year. You know, if, if that was the case, a bad quarterback. That was the case. There'd be a lot of quarterbacks. Deshaun you know, Kaiser's that wouldn't a bad play. quarterback. I've seen him make. I've seen him make some great throws. How many Browns games do you watch? Well, I mean, I see them all in red zone. No, see, that's not the same. They only show you. They don't the show them all in red zone. They, how they, many? Wait, 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 wait. How wait. many times are they in the red zone to be on red zone? Oh, they're on it plenty. I see all of his interceptions. <laughs> I see all of his good passes, man. He gets terrible. Josh Gordon's going to be the best receiver he's had. So, all right, uh, all right. We actually got some questions. Holy crap! Questions are flowing in now. All right. People are awake now. I know. They're like, wait, they're asking questions? <laughs> All right, we'll do a couple, and we'll do the rest of them next segment. Uh, Non-PPR. Oh, no, that one was already in. Pick two, standard league. Joe Mixon, Marshawn Lynch, Alshon Jeffrey. This one's super easy for me. Again, I don't trust Marshawn. Joe Mixon, Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey's been awesome. Um, the weirdest thing in my in my one league, actually in the league with with Jesse, with the, with the listeners, I have to bench Jeffrey every week because I have DeAndre Hopkins, I have Keenan Allen, I have Jarvis Landry and I have Adam Thielen. So like the worst of those four is Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> so I'm just starting. Like, he's on my bench because everybody else gets like 15, 20 points a game. It's been, it's been wonderful. And I got like Calvin Benjamin on my bench out. Will Fuller on my bench out. Chris Hogan on my bench out. Mm, you should like, have traded for uh, Alshon Jeffrey with me. Did, well, I, I tried. <laughs> ma- I mean, I really wish that I <laughs> would have had that trade go through for the running backs. I was like, oh, dude needs running backs. Now, all of a sudden, I do, too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't do that trade because I would have had nothing now. Uh, I'm picking Mixon and Jeffrey. Uh, Mixon and Jeffrey. Oh. It just hasn't been good. Uh, yeah, no, let's let's make the sweep. Let's bring out the broom. Full PPR. I need two running backs, two wide receivers. Kareem Hunt, Rex Burkhead, Alex Collins, or the Eckler guy in San Diego. Antonio Brown, Devin Funches, or Jarvis Landry? Um, well, I know Kareem Hunt hasn't been good, but I still feel nervous about not starting him. So I'm going to pick Hunt and Burkhead. And then definitely Antonio Brown, right? He is healthy, right? Now, now uh, Right now, you were getting advice to look for contingency plans. And your contingency plans are like Eli Rogers, uh, Martavis Bryant, Brandon LaFell. Contingency plans are not good if you're going to wait for Monday. So you either have to make that decision today or basically roll the dice that you're going to get like a, maybe a handful of points. Well, I think it's really hard to bench Antonio Brown and watch him go for 28 on Monday just because he has the extra two a day and a half to get healthy. So I will say pick Antonio Brown and then full PPR Jarvis Land Jarvis Landry is really attractive, but Funches has been really good, man. I think you got to go Funches and Brown here. Yeah, um, I'm gonna go ahead and say, jeez, uh, where the heck is it? Uh, Hunt Hunt and Burkhead. Uh, I don't trust Collins, but then um, Funches and Brown. Uh, I mean, if Antonio Brown is healthy to play, then you definitely put him in the game. 
Um, we'll just sweep the running backs. We'll get out the brooms for that. This is where, I, I mean, you have such a good situation at wide receiver where you can kind of feel okay about sitting Brown for multiple reasons. He's going against um, Cincinnati, which, granted, he did score against uh, a touchdown against Cincinnati earlier this season, but they were at home. He only had four catches for Antonio Brown. That's pretty low. Only 65 yards for Antonio Brown. That was his third or fourth lowest reception and um, yardage output on the season. He did find the end zone, but you're now going on the road with Ben Roethlisberger, who's not as good on the road, um, with a banged-up toe. Maybe you're going to play. Maybe you're not going to play. I mean, I hate to say it, but I almost feel like you really do. If If you're literally looking to make the playoffs and you have to win this week, I'm probably going to throw Funchess out there, and I'm probably going to throw Jarvis Landry out there in a full-point PPR. Um, it just kind of sets up for that being a safer, better play. you know. And you know what? You have to accept the fact that he might go off for 20 points on your bench. But <laughs> I, I would say it's on a more Monday likely if he goes off, points. it's going to be for like 12, 13, maybe 14 points because it is a good defense. And typically – in these rivalry games, they do hold Antonio Brown in check. And for in check, you know, like I said, 468 and a touchdown. So you might miss out on that. But that's something Funches totally can produce. All right. We got a couple more we got to get to next. Plus, college football playoff teams will be announced. We'll get to that next hour. This is Football Sunday on the Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.